Hey everyone, it's been a couple days since we recorded this episode, but we have a very, very exciting update. Absolutely buck wild that this has occurred at all. Crazy, buck wild, ridiculous, unbelievable, amazing, beautiful, stunning, fantastic. So you'll hear in this episode that we joke about tweeting at Edward Bonero and the writers of the episode. I think we tagged Mandy Patinkin just to see what we'd get. And we asked them, is there any way we could find out the true order of the episodes at the end of season two, beginning of season three? And did Mandy Patinkin have to come back and film anything? I I have no words. <laughs> Edward Panero just responded to us. He tweeted back at us. Okay, and I'll read you, just directly read you the tweet, and then we can have a little chat about it, because it's, we've been screaming for a bit now, and we've come back to record. Fully insane. I feel my heart is just like, doesn't it make you sad that Twitter is now being gutted by a man-child billionaire because like you can't get shit like this anywhere else i can't talk to edward bonero on tumblr right okay (laughs) here's my tweet i said wheels up podcast follow us on twitter said hello we've started season three of our criminal minds podcast and we wanted to know what's the original order of episodes for end of season two start of season three did mandy do pickups and edward allen bonero tweeted back at us and said We had filmed an episode for the season before, which never aired due to real-life events close to the air date. We added a voiceover from Mandy that made that episode appear to be a flashback and ran that as the first episode of season three, and then wrote a new episode two, which had Mandy leave. Mandy only worked one day of season three with an entirely different crew. We filmed his day while we were filming the rest of the app. It is to the credit of the incredible cast and crew that we never shut down the show for even one day. Truly amazing professionals. So. This does line up with what we had kind of theorized. It does. Which means that the third episode of season three would have been the premiere episode. And that's scared to death, right? I don't know if that means that the third episode of season three would necessarily be the first ep, because I do still think Name and Blood probably could have been a premiere episode. I just think it's it's just not doubt. So right. Well, they said they wrote a new episode too, which means that's that true. they wrote in Name and Blood after they knew Mandy was coming back, which makes sense because we talked about this. It is core to that episode that Hotch leaves, that Emily leaves, etc. Like, that was what we were having trouble with, that there was no way that episode was not about Gideon leaving, right? Yeah, that is true. Or, I mean, it could also be, like, these episodes may not have been written in the order that they aired in, so scared, so, you know, it might have been seven seconds that was the series premiere originally, and they shuffled some things around to make it make sense, you know what I mean? My like, guess would be that they scrapped the original premiere, just totally scrapped the original premiere episode. And just rewrote a whole up. Because yeah. if they were in a place where they could write a new episode too, 
then they probably hadn't done anything for that episode one yet. Yeah, this is just insane. I can't believe Edward Bonero just like responded to us on Twitter. But yeah, now we've solved a mystery, I guess. It's a mystery that I don't think anybody but us wanted solved, but it is an episode that, or a mystery that was solved now. We solved it. We made a mystery and we solved it. Isn't that what we do here on Reels Up? (laughs) Much like creating games for James to win at, we just kind of make things. (laughs) We make games that we can win. We ask questions so we can answer them correctly. And we create mysteries that apparently we have the problem to solve. We have the power. That's enough of an insert. Back to the episode. It sure is pretty up here in the sky of Reels Up. Oh, we're flying above the clouds. They're looking puffy and delectable. Up high in the sky of criminal minds. Not a care in the world except for the timeline. Just ready to just nosedive into (laughs) theories and suspicion. This is actually a conspiracy podcast, and the conspiracy is that I will make it make sense the the conspiracy is somehow (laughs) making a logical timeline to criminal minds the tv show yes okay so the reason we're bringing up the timeline first thing asap season three episode one doubt oh wait it doesn't make sense hold on wait hold my name is james (gasps) i'm b welcome to season three of our podcast reels up we have lost the plot <laughs> more so than the Criminal Minds writers have. We're coming in season three with like a fun new energy. I'm in a whole different state. You are. Of matter. I'm a liquid now. Entirely. Ooh, ooh, I'm going to drink you right up. <laughs> sip, sip. Tastes like V8 energy. <laughs> hey, you want to know something funny? Wow, you're drinking one. You can just you can just bring that out in post. Just like take away your talking there, and we can yes. just have a oh, whole yes. thing. Absolutely, ASMR'd up. Okay, okay. Season three, episode one, doubt. Now we know for a fact that Mandy Patinkin quit Criminal Minds at the end of season two. How did he quit? He just stopped showing up to work. He just ghosted. Straight up ghosted his real life job. I'm gonna tell you the truth. I follow Mandy Patinkin on Tink Tink Talk. <laughs> It's Mandy Patink talk. <laughs> yeah. I follow Mandy Patinkin on TikTok, and I think he's great. He's a nice old guy, wonderful. This colors my view of him. Doesn't it? Yeah. I, I've had this conversation with people before, but like, if I'm friends with someone, and then I find out that they don't try very hard at their job, or they don't give a shit about their grades, or whatever, it's hard to be friends with that person for me. It's hard to be friends with someone who, like, doesn't give a shit and, like, makes bad choices that affect people they've made a commitment to. And so, like, Mandy Patinkin just, like, quitting between seasons without a warning when they're creating a story with him in the center, it honestly really pisses me off. 
It's also so wild to me, too. Number mm-hmm. one, absolutely fucking insane that he did this. Yes. Like, let's not... We cannot understate how fucking insane it was that absolutely. he did this. Number two, he still got work after this. He went right into a different TV show. Well, he didn't go right into a different TV show. He had a four-year uh, four break before he had, like, a reoccurring role on a TV show. Okay. He's been on Homeland. He was on Homeland from 2011 to 2020. He did nine seasons of Homeland. Oh, my goodness. Starting in, again, 2011. I think what's so extra weird to me is, you know, he cited his reasons as kind of like a mental duress Criminal Minds was hard to work on because of the subject matter. But then I he get that. does... I get which I get, absolutely. 1,000%, understand. He does go into, a few years later, the same content category. You know, like, I understand, okay, you took four years off, you know, of a reoccurring role. Clearly this affected you. But then why would you choose the same type of television show? And then stay in it for nine years you know and we don't know him personally but yeah we don't optics aren't great the optics aren't great the fact that i i understand why criminal minds might be too much for somebody but homeland is not but my dad really liked homeland and he Mm. watched a lot of it so i by extension when i was home for christmas watched a lot of homeland homeland is like a weird show and it's not as gory as criminal minds which is Mm -hmm. like Congrats, good for you, Mandy Patinkin. But the IMDb description for Homeland is a bipolar CIA operative becomes convinced a prisoner of war has been turned by Al-Qaeda and is planning to carry out a terrorist attack on American soil. This is not, mm. to, to your point, this is not a lighter show than Criminal Minds is. <laughs> it's not that dissimilar. And I think, to be fair, I also do think that the showrunners of Homeland, I read an interview a few years ago, and I'll have to go back and dig it up, is they did not expect Mandy Patinkin to stay on as long as he did. They wrote him in a role that was very easy for him to just, like, not be there the next season. Mm -hmm. So they, like, wrote in preparation of him ghosting. Okay. (laughs) Which, like, fair, number one, great writing to know your actors and know what happened. Yeah. But also, good fucking God, why did that man get work again? I, ultimately, ultimately, the problem that I have, that I think you have, is not that he needed a break, it's not that he was struggling, it's that he saw his need to leave coming, because this doesn't come out of nowhere. He yeah. saw that he was approaching burnout, that he was struggling, and he didn't have the respect to tell anybody I would guess anywhere from 50 to 100 people work on the set of Criminal Minds. Oh, I mean, I would say honestly probably more than that. If you include the fact that they recorded in a studio, they had a studio team that was probably 50 to 100 people. And then like in a way unit, that was also probably Mm -hmm. 70-ish people. And that's only including people who are actively there on days you are filming. You have a whole small army for post and pre-production. Yeah. And he was essentially the main character of Criminal Minds. He was was the the linchpin. He was kind of like everything centered around him. So for him to honestly put between two and 300 people's jobs at risk in an already unpredictable career like 
television because he was disrespectful. He didn't feel like telling anybody he was struggling. And again, I get that he was struggling and I get that it can be hard. I know there are episodes of Wheels Up that affect fans. I can't imagine what it would be like to be in it. But that again, it doesn't come out of the blue. And the other thing that I also want to mention about the timing of this, which I think is interesting, mm-hmm. is he left at the tail end of 2007, right? He technically mm-hmm. would have left the show spring of 2007, right? Yeah, Timeline I think so. wise? Because his last episodes are credited in 2007, which means he probably left spring of that year, right? Yeah. Do you remember the Writers Guild strike? In late 2007, early 2008? Yes. That was, that started in November of 2007. Now, I will say again, Criminal Minds is not one of those shows. I don't think it was one of those shows that was affected. I don't know. Let me see. Did I'm going to search the Wikipedia page. Finale? I feel season like if they had a mid season. Up, up, up. Season three of Criminal Minds was shortened because Mm. of that strike. They only had made 13 episodes before the writers went on strike. And I believe this is the season that only has 21 episodes in it or 20. Uh, That makes a lot of sense. This is the season that only has 20 episodes. 13 of those were done before the strike. What I'm just saying here is like, Hollywood is an industry that is vastly interconnected. And sure, Mandy Patinkin left uh, nearly a year before the writer strikes really started in earnest, right? But imagine being somebody with a criminal minds job and your job is to go in and do the blood and gore effects for criminal minds, right? And you have this weird thing where Mandy Patinkin just ghosts. He leaves. He's done. He doesn't tell you. He doesn't call anybody. You just get a note from your boss one day like, hey, we're starting work a month later or something like that, right? Then later, (laughs) four months later-ish, give or take, because it started in November, you have the writer's strike that begins. And you like... You're just out of work for a while because no shows are on the show. The the series gets shortened or, you know, like your show gets paused for a while. Like shit time to be just like a regular, like a worker in Hollywood. And I think it's a testimony to everyone working at Criminal Minds that the show continued. I mean, because. Yeah. Basically, sure. the the end of your season two, beginning of your season three gets scrambled. And then halfway through production. You got to stop. You have to because stop because writers are on strike. Right. And obviously you got to support the writers being on strike. But it's yeah. still kinda, it sucks for work, but good for moral principle. But quiet. And then Joe Montagna just joined the show. <laughs> right? Yeah. He shows yeah. up in episode. He shows up in episode seven, I think, eight, six, six. So okay, so he shows up episode six. He films what seven episodes? 
Yeah, they they had 13 episodes filmed before the strike. Yeah. Happened. So they like Mandy Patinkin leaves. They have to scramble the end of season 2, beginning of season 3. They get their shit together. They're like, "Okay, we're going to find a replacement." They find a replacement. And, then and the it's Joe fucking Montana of all people. I number know. one. <laughs> yeah. And we'll talk about him. He's great. He's amazing, actually, like as a person. He amazing. will get he will get his airtime on this podcast. You best believe. You betcha. Little Sorry, I keep interrupting you though. Current not fine. Um and then the writer's strike happens. <laughs> yeah. So it's like we lose our main, we get our shit together, we get our new old guy, we're feeling good. Fighters Guild strike. And, like, then, and somehow this is one of the best seasons of Criminal Minds. You know when you were in college and you were just on like a three-day binge filled, fueled by like Red Bull and Monster and Spite and you somehow write the best 17-page essay you've ever written in your entire fucking life? Truly. That is this season. That is entirely this season. And I think that's important context going into this season because the fact that this is such a great season, one of the best seasons of Criminal Minds, honestly, like if we're being real, one of the best, the fact that this is all just happening during like the worst time to be just like a regular person working in Hollywood. Yeah. So I'm I'm rereading the descriptions of these episodes and every episode this season is a banger. <laughs> Literally, nothing but bangers. Nothing but bangers, dude. It's insane. But How sorry, we should get that? back okay. to yes, the, the actual point, which is yes. Mandy okay. Patinkin doing this to the Criminal Minds crew is terrible. terrible. And it does color my view of him. It because does. I also know, number one, that anybody who isn't a white dude would not have gotten that job on Homeland. Absolutely not. Just a fact. We can we can just say, we're right. We can just say that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and and with the sway of Mandy Patinkin. You're Mandy fucking Patinkin. Yeah. Like you like made if, like if, the Princess Diaries good. Like if Matthew Gray Goobler had done that, he could have gone back to modeling. He could have gotten other jobs, but he wouldn't have gotten another chance at Criminal Minds. I also he called was, it the Princess Diaries instead of the Princess Bride because I've been watching a um, lot of the Vampire Diaries recently, and I do um, want to say I am sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry. The Princess Diaries has another Joe. It's another. It's a different. Another yeah. Okay. Different guy entirely. Anyway. So, here is my first theory of the original order of episodes. So we're thinking this is the intended order of episodes from the writer's room when they were finishing out season two and starting season three. We are thinking this from a writer's room perspective. Okay. So this is from a writer's room perspective. And from my own research of during my timeline, we know that Doubt and In Name and Blood, the dates for those episodes are before No Way Out to the Evolution of Frank. Okay, so just to get people on here, Doubt happens canonically in early April because we see that on his schedule. It's very prominently mm-hmm. displayed. And then In Name and Blood happens two weeks after that. So that's end of April, beginning of May. Yes. And then No Way Out okay. 2 happens May 14th, 2007. And they are very specific about May 14th in No Way Out because that is written by yes. 
that is written by a main character on screen. That is what I would consider like a very canonical date. Yes. The only thing I would consider a better date than that is like if somebody said it on screen. Like this right. is as close to a hand of God date that you're yeah. ever going to get. It's like I just this. I want to make that clear. It's the 2006 Super Bowl of the yeah. big game. Like things like that that are like big anchor points. So yes. My theory okay. is we get legacy where they save that girl. Yeah. But it was a very brutal case. Then comes doubt, which ha- involves young people. They, you know, Gideon's unsure whether or not Tubbs was the actual guy. The, uh, that girl commits suicide right in front of them. And the only scene we get about Emily and the spy thing is like one scene with Emily on the phone with Strauss that could easily have been either moved or filmed later. Yes. Legacy, doubt. I think next would have come No Way Out to The Evolution of Frank as it stands. I think. Okay, so it goes doubt and then Evolution no way of out Frank. Too. Yes. Okay. I think that stands. I think that just feels like such a finale. Yeah, and that makes sense with, like, this is very obviously, Doubt is very obviously an yes. episode they filmed before Mandy Patinkin decided to leave. Yes. Because Gideon doesn't show a lot of, like, his distress on his face this episode. Right. He just looks moderately disturbed by a, the death of a young woman. Yeah. Which would explain why the next episode hits him extra hard. Because he's Hi, coming everyone. off of Doubt. Editing James here. I'm cutting in to say that we learned from Edward Bonaro that there had been a real-life event that made them push Doubt to a later date and take it out of the order of filming. So instead of Legacy, Doubt, and then the Evolution of Frank, we just got Legacy and then the Evolution of Frank. The event that made them take Doubt out of the lineup was the Virginia Tech shooting in April of 2007. Legacy, Doubt, without the voiceover, and with no Emily being a spy, and then No Way Out, ending with Hotch being suspended, and Gideon writing Sarah's name in the book. Season two, over. So Season... does In Name and Blood then go, is that before No Way yeah. Out? No, so In Name and Blood would be season three, episode one. Okay, so In Name and Blood would be our premiere. Would be our premiere, because then season three starts, and spoilers, I guess, for In Name and Blood, but season three would start with Hotch getting ready to go back to work and Haley being like, if you do that, I'm going to divorce you. Yeah. It would start with Gideon being missing and this is where his voiceover is. His okay. voiceover, because in the voiceover this episode, he talks about the college kids and then he talks about Jane and Frank. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this happened and then this happened and now I'm not around. And so that episode... Maybe Emily's in it. Maybe Emily's not. I don't know. But it, In Name and Blood would be the first episode of season three where Hotch has been suspended. Mm-hmm. Strauss is on the team. Gideon is doing this voiceover. And at the end, we see him with his gun. Okay. That would be my guess. So That, that would season- make sense because Doubt... We know that Doubt was filmed with season two. Right. We know that. Yes. And I think I, 
I think that the Gideon sitting there with a gun scene could go at the end of season two. Mm -hmm. So that that's a big cliffhanger. Did he or did he not shoot himself? And then Mm -hmm. season three, it sounds like we're hearing his suicide note. And it would end with Spencer showing up. There's the gun, the badge of the note. Last scene of In Name and Blood is Gideon at the gas station being like, I don't know where I'm going. I'm just driving. And so we get this nice little bow on that. Now here are my two things. Okay. One. The Emily being a spy. I wrote a whole paragraph about why I think they added this. <laughs> it, and before you say anything, I yes. agree, because just purely based off of the way those scenes are filmed. Yes. They are all just Emily alone or just Emily and Strauss on the yeah. phone. They are all pickup scenes, for sure, for, for sure. sure. Absolutely. And they all take place in Strauss's office. So if that's already been set up for the filming of No Way Out 2, it's there. Great. So the Emily spy thing. My guess is they added that at the end of season three because... Or the end of season two. Thank you. you At the end of season two because one, her quitting puts more weight on Strauss joining the team because now they have lost like the mysterious new girl gone suddenly mm-hmm. hotch suspended and quitting gideon just missing strauss is there i think it adds weight that emily is missing because otherwise it's like it just emily has that whole mystery thing and i think they wanted to wrap it up yes you know so if they have strauss call in her favor with emily emily quits and comes back without strauss's help it theoretically right emily's mystery has been solved Now we know that Strauss is the one who got her the job, but Emily has earned her spot. Hotch comes and gets her. She's in the team for real. Right? Yeah. I also think that it is out of character for Hotch to just show up at the case and be like, I know everyone is here except for me, but you need me to solve this case. I don't think that he is... Mm Mm-hmm arrogant like that i don't think that he could justify it if he was the only one but he saw emily quit so he knows to him the team right now is jj Derek, and reed who are all capable but none of them have that leader bit yet yeah exactly like a big part of Derek's character arc is learning is him learning to have that leader bit yeah and i think when we get into name and blood we see it growing yeah but he doesn't have it yet. He's getting it. Mm-hmm. So I think that Hotch, knowing that Emily is gone, Emily being the second oldest, right? Derek, yeah. Reed, and JJ, they're just, it's just the kids, right? It's the kids. Yeah, it's you've the left kids. the kids alone. <laughs> right. Their babysitter is gone. <laughs> right. And so I think it makes, it makes a lot of sense for Hotch to take the step to go to Emily and say, I trust you. I know now that what you were hiding was Strauss's influence. I admire that you cut that tie and I'm telling you that you have earned your spot on your own by yourself. I'm going back. The team needs us. I think it's much more in character for Hodge than the team needs me. So, okay. So in the writer's room, in the criminal minds writer's room, circa 2007. (laughs) Yes. Do you think they... 
do you think okay so they mandy patinkin ghosts them at the end of season two Mm-hmm. He doesn't show up for any of the early script read-throughs or anything. Mm-hmm. So do you think after that first read-through where Mandy Patinkin just does not show up, that first um, table read <laughs> is the word I'm looking for, mm-hmm. that Mandy Patinkin just fucking ditches, do you think then later that day they go into the writer's room and they're like, we have this plot where Hotch needs like needs a reason to come back? Mm-hmm. How do we make that make sense for his character? And then you think, well, maybe the em- the Emily stuff, we can we can do the Emily stuff then. And we can just add a few scenes at the end of season two, because that is still airing when they're starting prep for season three. Mm-hmm. And we can add that scene and then we can add a few scenes in doubt. And then she quits in name and blood. And we sort of like change that around a little bit. Like, is that like, do you think that's what happened? Now, this gets to my second big question. Okay. The scenes that are filmed by Mandy Mandy Patinkin, Gideon at the gas station, Gideon writing that letter with the gun, sure as hell seems like he was going to leave. It's hard to think of where they would have put those scenes that didn't show Gideon leaving. Now, does that mean we were always going to get a Gideon leaves, Gideon comes back kind of better? Or did Mandy Patinkin come back to film these scenes to wrap it up? And I think those both hint at different things happening in the writer's room. You know, I think I think Emily being called on by Strauss to spy is an easy, they've had that in their basket that's easy to throw into the mix, you know? Yeah. I don't think they had Emily's big backstory planned yet, but this is easy enough, right? We know she's got friends in higher places. The fact that Strauss shows up for No Way Out 2 tells me that the character of Strauss may have been added just for the stake sake of making frame a framed episode the way that it was because no way out two didn't have to be a framed episode neither did doubt they could have just been episodes yeah and instead no way out is told by hotch to strauss as a reason for gideon ending up in a bad situation as a reason for Strauss to, you know, pull Emily in as a spy, as a reason for Strauss to um, suspend Hotch. I think the Strauss character was a last-minute addition for damage control. Because again, all the scenes with Strauss, it's an Emily and Hotch scene. Emily, Hotch, and Emily... Uh, it's a Strauss and Hotch scene. Strauss and Hotch and Emily sticks her head in. Emily and Strauss, a phone call with Strauss Mm -hmm. until we get to In Name and Blood. And I'm going to guess that In Name and Blood is the first episode written, written with the knowledge that Gideon is gone. That would be my guess. Because it is so intrinsic in it that everyone is gone that episode. Hmm. You know? No, yeah, I... 
Like, like I, there is no way to write in name and blood with everybody there, you know? So I wonder if they have the case and then they had to kind of like rewrite who was there and who was away and add in the B plots of Hotch and Emily and Gideon. And I think also the reason to put Emily's spy stuff in is that it distracts from Gideon just being gone. Like in, in Name and Blood, it doesn't become, where's Gideon? It becomes, wow, we're missing Hotch and Gideon and Emily. And then Hotch and Emily show back up and the rest of the team can be distracted with them. And Spencer's the one, Gideon's like, I knew you were going to be the one to come find this letter. Because the rest of the team is distracted with Hotch and Emily, you know? Mm-hmm. I just, for me, it would really depend on whether or not, like, were they like, fine, Mandy, Patinkin, you can quit, but you have to come back and film these three scenes. Because it's a voiceover, and it's him in his cabin alone. He didn't need to be with anybody else for that. Yeah. I think, though, the thing, I don't know. I think. We need to find one of the Criminal Mind writers on Twitter and be like, please. I just need to know. I just need to know. Shout out to Belle for talking to me via WhatsApp voice notes for like two hours while I tried to figure this out. Giving input. It, is, it really doesn't make any fucking sense. No, and I, I don't think there's any way to, unless we could talk to a writer, I don't think there's any way we could know the true order, the original plan, what was supposed to happen. I don't think there's any way to know. Yeah, I think we can we can guess, obviously, but we are not privy to production information of Criminal Minds, even if it seems so we can guess it that way. But we are both well-versed enough in how TV is made that I think we can all agree that Doubt was filmed before No Way Out Evolution of Frank. I think Mandy Patinkin's agent got on the phone with him and was like, you will never work again in this town if you do not go back and at least give them one day of pickup shots. And by God, he went back and gave us one day of pickup shots. It's also very obvious from this episode that it was made to be a, not like a season premiere, honestly. Absolutely not. I good episode. Really good. Honestly, In Name and Doubt feels like, I always forget this is here because it's, In Name and Doubt is such a season opener. In Name and Blood. Thank you. In Name name (laughs) and Doubt. In Name and Blood is such a season opener. Yeah. That I forget this episode is here. Isn't it crazy how the beginning of season two was like, gotta get Elle to go crazy and leave and then the beginning of season 3 is like Gideon's gone what the fuck do we do it's like this is truly like the little show that could (laughs) they're really yeah no they are for real out here just like making their agents lose their minds constantly and what's what's funny about this is like both Patrick Brewster and Shamar Moore and probably others but those two I know for sure have talked about how like they got no support on this show like, for some reason, CBS never cared about this show. CBS only cared about this show once, and that was to make sure that Emily was straight. And then they were just like, we don't care beyond that. They were Fuck like, it. dip. <laughs> Sorry, no gays. You're good? Okay, bye. Here's your $5 to make your 20 episodes. But that's the thing that kills me. is like, this is an incredibly popular show 
15 seasons. It's got a star cast by the end of it. Some of them stars to begin with. It has this revival now. Like it is so, such a big phenomenon. Like it's Criminal Minds. Everyone yeah. talks about Criminal Minds. It gets referenced all the time. But CBS could not give two fucks about this show. CBS did not give a shit. Yeah. And it's just like, God, think of what we could have had if they cared. If they gave a fuck? If they gave a fuck. It would be insane, actually. No, but this season, we'll talk about the episode in one second. But this season, let's do a little warm-up here. Now that we've done our timeline nonsense. Oh, we're going to do a warm-up 45 minutes into the episode? (laughs) We've been recording for 45 minutes, James. A a warm-up? A look ahead. Let's look ahead at season three real quick, okay? Let's look out the cockpit. Look at pilot's reference. Cockpit. Okay. So doubt banger in name uh-huh. and blood. Emily looks amazing. Uh, JJ again. My favorite picture of JJ. My favorite screenshot of JJ comes from in name and blood. Yeah, and even oh, though I, I have when you mean yeah, and even though I have like ten screenshots of it, I continue to take a screenshot of it every time I watch that episode. Okay, scared to death. Great, children of the dark. Absolutely amazing. Seven seconds. Uh. Amazing. Incredible. Incredible. Okay. How is seven seconds only rated 8.2 on IMDb? That's Absolutely a not. fucking crime. It's amazing. About face, great. Identity, great. Lucky and Penelope. Oh. Bangers. True night. Birthright. Third light. Limelight. Just in heat. The crossing. Tabula rasa. Lo-fi. And mayhem. I just okay. We're getting there, okay, guys. Listen, season one sucked ass. Season two, it was good. Season it was okay. three, we are in our hot girl era. Criminal Minds has entered their hot girl summer, okay? Oh yeah, this is the hot girl summer of Criminal Minds. Yes, I agree. And I yeah. also want to say one little like housekeeping note about this mm. podcast oh. is we get to watch this good classic Criminal Minds, yes. and also in a few weeks when the reboot starts we will be watching that every other week that we're not doing season three basically so we're gonna switch back and forth between season three and the reboot as the reboot airs yes so we will be you will be getting that good good reboot content uh but you will also be getting this good good hot girl summer content (laughs) the flip between like baby them and then like season 16 them is like gonna be mind-boggling the fact that we're going from like hot butch lesbian emily to like hot (laughs) milf gray-haired emily is gonna be so good for us so So good for we're going from like baby jj to like hot milf jj like oh god (laughs) penelope exactly the same Exactly exactly the the same. same. She's hot the whole time. That's the secret. We get some Tara and Luke content. Some Tara and Luke content. Years before we see them in the show. Is no Matt? Matt. No. No Matt? Oh man. No Matt. Matt. No Derek. No Reed. I'm okay with that Reed. Yeah. No Hotch, I'm pretty sure. Yes, Rossi. Yeah. Yes, Papa Pasta. Yes, Papa Pasta. No word on the like in between people i think it's just kind of like whoever was there in season 15 is back yeah pretty much yeah, yeah. pretty much anyway sorry not to divert, divert oh. us further 
But it's literally like season three is prime Gemily. Season three and four are what I consider the Gemily seasons. Yeah, season three and four are the Gemily seasons, truly. And to go from JJ and Emily and their like hot soft butch eras to their like hot MILF eras, forget about it. <laughs> You're gonna you guys did not see the full body reaction James had <laughs> to hot gray haired MILF Emily Prentice. <laughs> Fully like backed their chair away from their desk, had like a moment and then had to come back. Like They're, we are okay. not prepared. All right. If you, here's the thing too, as I feel like we've not been on the Gemily train as much because they haven't had as much. Yeah. This is fully the time when James and I are going to sound fucking insane. This is our, sure. the conspiracy theory. It's like the timeline, the where did Gideon go? I'm going to have next week, James, when we record next week, Mm -hmm. I'm going to put my big cork board up here and we can just start just doing shit. Pins on pins. I have a big corkboard to fill this space exactly. Absolutely. And so spe- great. speaking of gay shit, we get some gay shit this episode. So let's get started. Let's get started. Hell yeah. On season three, episode one. Doubt. Doubt. Season. Hold on a minute. Okay. So the previously on starts with Strauss putting Hotch on suspension. Was he? No. Yeah. That's how the flashback started. Was Hold he on. on suspension? Cause this episode is a flashback. Right. Okay. Man. Alright, yeah, yeah, they really did some shit here, huh? Yeah. This episode is a flashback. Yeah, okay. So the way the show frames it, the way the episode frames it. Okay, we are now out of theory world and we in We are in canon. frame. We're we in, in We're in Michael's framing this episode. <laughs> in the mise-en-scene of doubt okay in this episode this is a flashback telling a story of what happened immediately after no way out to in the episode doubt gideon is talking us through a flashback and in theory this happened right after no way out Two. The thing that I think confused me about how they framed this episode is they framed it as both Hotch and Gideon's flashback. And for some reason, it just didn't vibe in my head that it was both that it was a flashback for both of them because it was so heavily framed with Gideon framing yeah, and not Hotch framing. I think that's just what threw me off. That's why I just totally like forgot that this episode starts. The previous one starts with Hotch getting suspended. So I think, hold on. I think I'm wrong. Yeah, okay, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. That's why. Oh, am I not fully stupid? Okay, you're good. Not, no, you're not fully stupid. Win. Win for B Nation <laughs> today, actually. Much needed. So the flashback for Doubt starts with Strauss telling Hotch she wants to suspend him and telling Emily that it's time for Hotch's career to come to an end. That's why she has to spy. Right, 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 yes. right, 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 right. And okay. we see Frank and we see Gideon's breakdown. Those are kind of the only flashbacks we get. Yeah. Which I'll appreciate a short flashback. But I think it's because this whole episode, Doubt, is a flashback. The current day is Gideon writing this letter 
in his cabin. Okay. That's the now. The case is a flashback that Gideon is talking us through. And this case is Gideon's um, stressor. And it's what makes him know that it's time to quit. And, you know, he talks about how um, profilers can't be distracted and he's distracted. How he wasn't asking himself the right questions. His mind was clouded and all of that led to the death of these two people. And at the end of the day, they still don't know whether or not Tubbs did it. So here's my question for you. Do you think Tubbs did it? Now, this is an interesting question to pose to me right off the bat before we even start looking at the case. Mm -hmm. I have always been of the belief Mm -hmm. that if Tubbs didn't do it, who did? Who did, and are they still at the college? And why did... If if Tubbs... If they really wanted to hammer home the fact that Gideon was bad at his job at this point in time. What better way to do it than to have half a season later, have one, have another episode at the same college. You're still trying to find this killer. Like they should have, what that. better way? Exactly. Like, so it is, I, I am of the opinion that if Tubbs did not do it, you like, if Tubbs didn't do it, you would have had that episode, that callback up. For sure yeah. you would have had that callback episode. Or there would have been like a last minute moment. A of, stinger. Yeah. Yeah. Where they were like, wow, we didn't even suspect him. We were so focused on Tubbs. There would have been something. I just think, I think Tubbs had to have done it because like who else, you know? If not him, then who? Right. If not him, then who? And they did enough. I think they had enough set up before they introduced doubt. Um, that we're kind of like who else would be you know like even if we're like is he the right guy when the episode ends you're not like damn is that guy still out there you're like okay they're dead like it's done you know yeah yeah you don't feel like unsatisfied with it being tubs but you can feel Gideon's um, self doubt yeah yeah so we start with Gideon's voiceover and He's so he's writing a letter. We don't know to who. Mm-hmm. We don't know to who yet. I know yeah. you would be the one to find this letter. Yeah, I know it's gonna be you. I know you're gonna be the one who comes and gets me. Um, he he's like, I don't have an explanation for leaving. I just don't have solid footing anymore. And then he says the world is too cruel and different and tragic. I think one of the tragedies of Mandy Patinkin leaving so abruptly instead of giving Gideon a proper goodbye is that it's so, his downfall feels so abrupt. And we've talked about how in season two, we start seeing him kind of getting tired. You know, Mandy Patinkin is not acting his all, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Yeah. But he's been doing this for 30 years. And now in the span of in-world timeline, three months, four months, He's done. He's suddenly having right. a breakdown. And like, I I think part of it is that we don't know a lot about his Him. history. Like, I can understand, yes, this woman that you were close to got killed. 
because of a man you let get away. I get it. I understand the shock of it. Bad time had by all. Bad time had by all. But is it the worst thing that's happened in 30 years? Has there never been another moment when you've had this struggle? Here's what I wish they would have done with his character and what I think they would have done if they knew they were only going to get a season or two out of Mandy Patinkin. Mm -hmm. I wish they would have always played Gideon like they did at the very beginning where he was always a step from the edge. Because remember, very beginning of season one, he -hmm. was just coming off of a suspension or something for a bombing case. Like... He was just coming off of a suspension because they were like, can you do your job right? And I wish they would have played it. And with retrospect, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. would sure. have loved this. If they had known they would have only gotten one or two seasons out of Mandy Patinkin, the writers, I think it would have been a much more smarter character choice to instead of making him good at his job the whole time, make him bad at his job more. Because right now, the very tail end of season two seems like he suddenly is really bad at his job. Or I think another avenue would be not let him show any weakness. So he comes back just as he did. But in season two, instead of getting that kind of like faltering, doubting, you know, Mm -hmm. sad Gideon, we get I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then the Frank and Jane case truly breaks him yeah you know and then like this is a mental breakdown a depressive episode that he is if he is going to heal from it if he is going to survive he has to cut ties he cannot talk about this anymore you know i wish which is what kind of ends up happening but it happens very like under the table table thrown at the end if if the jane and frank episode honestly I would have liked to see Gideon commit suicide. Bold statement. Bold statement. Not for any opinion of Gideon, but I think that that's where it was heading. It really does feel like that's where it was heading. And if Mandy Patinkin did not come back for a day's worth of pickup shots, I think that's what we would have gotten. Yeah. And this is minor spoiler. I don't remember anything else about the episode, so very light spoilers in several seasons we do find gideon's body gideon is murdered by a serial killer yes so yeah he is murdered that's all i remember is that and jj taking mint chocolate chip ice cream out of his fridge and eating it with penelope that is (laughs) and honestly so true of her but i completely agree with her for that she's so real for that one but um, there's that one is the only other mention we get of Gideon in present time. This is the yeah. last time we see Mandy Patinkin as yes. Jason Gideon. And we don't see um, that body. We do get one flashback and we don't get, we don't see a body. We just get a body double basically. There's that one oh, flashback episode yes. where it's young Gideon and young Rossi. Yeah. God bless. Where young uh, Rossi's kind of, mm, okay. I mean, um, he's kind of, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I mean, smash. <laughs> I mean, Although that although that flashback ruins all of the lore, it ruins so much of a timeline. That is a timeline ruiner for sure. Talk about a retcon. (laughs) Okay, talk about Um, a retcon, which is why we talk so much shit during the Max Ryan episode. It's because like none of that is correct once they move past it. Uh, Exactly. I 
no, I I would almost have liked that. I would have liked it because then it would have been a direct comparison to L. Yes. L snaps and kills someone. Gideon snaps, kills himself, and it makes everybody else on the team. I mean, this could have been the perfect that could have been the perfect opportunity to truly have the team be like, we have to watch out for each other's mental health. Yeah. This has happened twice Y'all, we now. Got, we gotta get our shit together. <laughs> we gotta care about each other. Though, actually. Everybody, do you have your therapy list? Do we have our little notebooks? Like, are we keeping therapy lists for each other? Like, what you are we doing it, for self-care? Like, like I mean, it, it would have been a time. Like, one thing I do dislike about the show in general is the way that it talks about therapy. Yeah. Like, for a bunch of psycho- psychology people, they all hate therapy. They fake it. It's because the thing is, is, none of them are fine. So if they ever have real therapy they'd be fired and forced to take care of themselves. But they can't do that because then they'd have to leave the show. So they all talk shit. They all fake it. But we know that deeply, 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 none of them are okay. And I wish that if they were going to stick with that thing of like, we have to pretend we're fine on the outside, that they had truly leaned on each other and taken care of each other. Like this would have been the opportunity to be like, shit you know l killed someone reed had a drug problem gideon killed himself we need to take care of each other reed what can we do for you like you know instead of having to instead of just building more walls i wish this had been an opportunity to kind of talk about that yeah and they 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 never really do that. I mean, even when J- JJ gets a whole episode dedicated to PTSD, I think she gets like three of them. And <laughs> In total, she gets quite a few. Yeah, and nobody helps her. One yeah. time Reed does, but he doesn't know how to. And so it's terrible. It's just, it's, yeah. I wish she had died and they had used it as an impotence for change. But no. But he lives. And this is, again, not us just hating on, like, Mandy no. Patinkin randomly leaving Criminal Minds or anything. No, like, I, I, I wish his me- leaving had meant something for the exactly, story of the show. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Ultimately, we did not sign a 15-year contract for a show that we truly dislike. I love this show. And there are things I think could have been done to make it even better. And that's why we talk shit. Exactly. Okay. They get, the team gets to Flagstaff, Arizona, middle of the night, or like super early in the morning. There's like college pop music playing. It's like funky. JJ's adorable. Emily looks great. Okay. We learned that the dorms are single sex. It's all the students like RD type students. They've doubled the amount of cops. They've added the security shuttles that go every 15 minutes, and they put in a 10 p.m. curfew. And Gideon says, it's a race. He's racing to kill people, and we're racing to catch him. Bum, bum, bum. Great. Okay. Bum, bum, bum. This first victim misses the bus by like five seconds. And I just want to so close. I just want to say that if you're driving a security shuttle to drive women to their dorm and there's a serial killer around, the least you can do is look to your left and see this girl running from the library. And Look wait in that an mirror. extra second. Yeah. Like, that's the whole point of this, right? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, she's there and she's like, oh shit. What's happening? Um, we'll just do this part. But she's standing there. She's like holding her mace. She's like, I'll just wait 50 minutes. Why would you not go back into the library? 
I would go stand on the lit thing and just exactly. Read. Yeah, I'm going back onto the li- into the library. Yeah, the other girl is like she was really smart, and I was like, was she? I mean, not to be victim blaming, but <laughs> not to be rude, but be rude, but I think it would have been more telling if she had been like right, like on the side of the library and gotten killed. Anyway, yeah. Also, why was the shuttle stop not better lit? Whatever. She's standing there with her mace. She turns around and she's all, she's all like scared, and then she like relaxes, and then she gets tased, and then she gets stabbed. Bum bum bum. Okay. Bum bum bum. Bum bum. So then, on the bus are our two main girls, whose names I did not write down. I have them as loud friend and nice friend. Um, they are. Um, loud friend is Katie, and nice friend is Helen. Okay. Uh, if no, you think- Helen's the RA. I think no, Stephanie. Elise. Stephanie is the RA according okay. to according to IMDb. Okay. Stephanie's the RA. Anna is the goth kid. Yes. Um, Helen is the, the nice friend, dies. and um, Eliz- uh, Katie is the loud friend. Also, Elizabeth Hendrickson, who plays Katie, might look familiar to you. That's because she's on one episode of every show, but also <laughs> like a million episodes of um what she's done like a million episodes of the young and the restless and oh. Gen- general hospital oh. so if your mom is like my mom and she had uh any sort of television playing in early 2010s you saw elizabeth Hendricks on your tv quite often hilarious okay helen and katie get off the bus they're like arms are linked they are dressed so early 2000s. Yeah. Not in a bad way. I just saw them and was like, yep. Uh-huh. That's how I dressed in high school. Uh, well, not me, but that's how the other girls dressed. I'm not like other girls. I'm not a girl. <laughs> I'm not like other girls. I'm a butch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm butch. Okay. Katie is like, let's have some drinks. We're going to party. And then Helen is like, you know, I want to study. Okay. They keep talking about how the RA is a bitch. The RA does nothing wrong ever. She's just doing her job and she's trying so hard. She's not even rude. She's like, guys, curfew's in five minutes. And they're like, that's why we're here. And she's like, can you guys not drink? I'll write you up if you drink on like in the dorm. And they're just kind of like, (laughs) okay. Like, like, hey, can you maybe not get drunk while we're in the middle of a crisis where you all need to stay indoors and stay calm, perhaps? And they're like, (laughs) fine, whatever. (laughs) Whatever. Like, okay. Shit, bitch. Wild. Okay. So (laughs) let me get our intro. We're at the crime scene. Girl has her hands folded over her chest. Okay, JJ is profiling the fuck out of this body. JJ goes, interesting. She has her mace out, but she didn't use it. We're in a well-lit area, and she has her hands crossed. That means remorse. I was like, okay, JJ. Okay, she, they just gave her all the lines this scene, I guess. Yeah, truly. It's like, where's is Emily not available? JJ's out here profiling. Damn. Well, because Gideon was busy having his breakdown, so they of needed course. somebody else to say the lines, right. and it was most narratively poignant if they had a young woman say them. <laughs> they had JJ there, like that time where JJ was like, hey guys, um, the lipstick is wet. It's like you have to have the woman there to like point out the woman thing. <laughs> okay. Gideon is like, we need a handle on this by the time the campus wakes up. He hallucinates Sarah. I wrote that it was probably added later. For sure. So then we get the RA knocking on everyone's doors, waking them up, get up, get up. 
And again, Katie is like, what the fuck, Stephanie? It's <laughs> like, calm what down. What the fuck, Stephanie? Get <laughs> your shit together, up. Stephanie. What the fuck? Okay. And it's like, guys, she's not knocking on your door for no reason. She's not waking everyone up in the hall. Again, serial killer. Again. I feel, I feel like you're not taking this seriously. <laughs> Literally, I feel like Katie isn't taking this seriously. Like, girl, get your Absolutely. shit together. Absolutely. So they get the news about Amy. Okay. Reed and JJ are there. Jennifer Giroux. God, she's so hot. Jennifer Giroux. Jennifer Giroux. She's wearing a tank top, which I loved. It Okay. She's in a tank top, hair down, clearly sweating a little bit. Reed is in a button down and like a cardigan. And I was like, boy, you are in Arizona. This is the <laughs> difference between uh, trans men and trans women. Actually. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. You feel me? Yeah, Just like the you, tank top you. to show off your nice arms and your boobs and then as many your sweaters besties as possible. over here wearing like Hunching. seven sweaters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you feel me? <laughs> Got you. Okay. JJ's like, hey, Amy's funeral is going to be in Chicago, but her parents are staying in town if you want to talk to her and pay respects. And then Katie says, how did you all let this happen? What? We're all thinking it. And it's like, girl, girl, you, if you don't you get your shit together, you're fucking you don't next. Sh- you don't <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> you don't shut the fuck up, girl. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, I truly watched this and went, oh, yeah, okay, 19, 18 to 21 year olds, huh? Yeah. God bless. Uh, she's like, your FBI, you should have stopped it. It was well lit and there was a shadow. And Reed's like, actually, that's a good point. It was super safe. So the killer's probably a part of campus and didn't raise any alarm bells. And JJ's like, also, um, I'm blonde, but uh, he is killing brunettes. So, good luck. (laughs) Uh, Okay. It's so funny that she has this full moment of like, well, sorry I have to say this. (laughs) I'm naturally gifted. Sorry, AKA blonde. Sorry, but I'm the one who does have to tell all of you ugly brunettes. He is murdering your Like, aunt. nearly every girl in this hall is a brunette, by the way. Except for the Anna. one who is Anna. <laughs> yeah. JJ walks to a room full of brunettes and goes, God, they're going to murder me. <laughs> She's like, oh, no. Okay. All right. The dean of the school is talking to the police chief and Gideon and Derek, and she's like, I want to shut the school down. Derek's like, you can, but, you know, if he's part of this campus, he'll probably just leave and then come back and keep killing. And the dean's like, I have to shut it down. Like, I'm not going to keep them in a pen while they're being hunted. Good point. Which I love her analogy here. And Absolutely. she's right. She's right. And Gideon has a voiceover, and he's like, all I see is people's deaths. And then he just has him, like, look at a girl, and then look at this, she's dead. Look at this girl, and then, like, she's dead. And it's like, okay. Okay, Nostradamus, like, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> calm down here, bestie. Emily's at the morgue, like, fucking always. It's always Get, her. Let at this the girl morgue. free. Goth let bitch, her go. Goth bitch writes. Okay. She's like, it's one big stab that broke her breastbone. Wild. Overkill. There's no defensive wounds. She's got the two holes with the bruises. Emily uses a digital camera <laughs> to take the picture and then later, yeah. like, prints it out. God bless. No drugs in any of their sips stumped, which means they were surprised but not drugged. It is weird to me 
that Emily does not make a connection to a taser here. It's, she takes a picture right away. She takes a picture right away, but she doesn't even think about the taser until somebody else says it. But it's two dots, no defensive wounds, no drugs. So they were somehow subdued and the two dots. So it's like, like why would on. she not be like, what if it's a taser? Emily is queen of the delayed discovery it happens again and again she'll look at something and be like that's weird i'm gonna make a note of that and then like 20 minutes later in the episode someone says like constellations and she's like oh, wait and then goes back to her pictures and is like it's constellations you're like okay I'm okay. she down. does the you thing of putting a pin in it till later and then she's like oh. <laughs> yeah she has unpinned that thought i had no emily is emily is the ingredients girl she can buy all the supplies can't make the cake <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Katie apologizes for being rude to JJ and reads like, sorry, you lost your friend. And they're like, we saw Amy at the library, but we thought she left before us. Like her bag wasn't at the table, whatever. And reads like, would she be alone? And Katie says, no, she wasn't the victim type, which I'm glad Reed is like, there's no such thing as a victim type. But also I feel like in my heart, mm. JJ gives him this look of like, oh yeah, we know. Calm down. Like in my heart of hearts, because <laughs> I rolled my eyes a little bit at that for him, and I, I was like, too. okay, yeah, I get it. You're a man talking to a room full of young women. Okay, That's I get it. Point. That's a good point. And so I was like, all right, fine, fuck. Yeah. JJ's like, when you start wearing dresses, you can make those comments, but not yet. Okay. <laughs> not yet. You not haven't yet. cracked that gender egg. Yeah. <laughs> JJ's like you're so close Reed. Soon. you're so close <laughs> Katie is like Amy was strong and smart you know she was carrying mace and switch plates and all that and JJ's like wow okay good for them and then okay they did not cut this scene soon enough the girl's like is it true they're all like going after brunettes and JJ's like yeah they are and then it just like looks at them all and they're all just kind of like huh. Really and then weird. the scene ends. I was like, why is there this extra like 10 seconds of them just like sitting there awkwardly? Yeah. Emily's leaving the morgue. Strauss calls her and is like, hey, what you got for me? And Emily's <laughs> like, what do you mean? What do I have for you? And Strauss is like, how's the case going? And Emily's like, oh, I'm fucking busy. And then just like hangs up. <laughs> She's so angry. She's such an angsty teen. She literally, I was like, she swallows, her like eyebrows clench, she like looks away and her like neck, it's like she's so anxious to be saying like, I'm not going to tell you anything, but she's like strong enough to say, I'm not telling you anything. So weird. Also like Strauss, don't call her in the middle of the cake, like what? She's around other people, like. Ask her for a report, like what are you doing? Gideon says, okay. It's going to take two to three days to empty the campus out, and these are the vulnerable days. The guy's going to know campus is closing, so he's going to want to strike again. We need those cameras functional by nightfall. Maybe this is a 2007 thing, but Mm -hmm. why does your college campus not have security cameras? Yeah, I think that might be a 2007 thing, actually. In Flagstaff? It's College of Arizona Flagstaff? Yeah, like... That's probably not a real school. Absolutely. How do you not not have? How do you not have security cameras? Anyway, so they have. And then when you do get security cameras, how are they good? Literally. Literally. 
Okay. Literally. Literally. Okay. So they've got uniformed cops, they have campus security, and they have undercover people. And now they're going to ask the men to do double shifts. Cool. Great. And then it cuts to a cop open or a security guard opening the door to let a brunette into the building and it is so clearly the unsub we've just had the description of like somebody on campus they're gonna know this they're gonna know that that's double security and then it cuts to the most suspicious looking security guard on the planet like okay yeah yeah so then we get gideon's voiceover i didn't write down anything he said i assume it's the same they're so young it's so tragic they're so young, it's so tragic, I'm so sad, etc., 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 etc. Etc., etc., Also, I did laugh that, like, Reed and JJ are the ones being made to interact with the college kids because they're, like, the youngest. The youngest? Reed is 25, 25 or 26, and JJ is 29. So they're, like, yeah. the closest in age to these college kids. But, like, in the scene at the end, when JJ and and Reed are talking to Katie about Anna, Anna. I was like, wow, they really look older compared to these college kids. It was like yeah. just like one of those moments for me as a 29 year old who still very much like <laughs> forgets <laughs> that I'm like an adult adult. Seeing like a 29 year old stand next to like a 21 year old. I was like, you're Damn, like, that wow, is- that's a child. That's a child. Whenever I see like people, I'm like, oh, you're a kid. How old are you? And they're like 22. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, <laughs> that's a child. Okay. They're going to give a rough profile to the cops. It's someone with access. He could move in this small community with a high police presence and not get caught. Uh, he was probably set off by a woman who looks like the woman he's mad at. Like, he's mad at a brunette, so he's getting brunettes kind of thing. They need to look at, okay, they're like, look at everyone on campus and see if anyone's devolving. And the one cop is like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? And he's like, anyone who like just got into religion or is drinking or is harming themselves has recently been like rejected. You know, they probably feel guilty because the victims trust them. So just, you know, look for those kinds of people. And it's like, so everyone on the college campus, what are you talking Basically, about? yeah. The woman mentions maybe they're tased because they don't fight back. And Emily is like, oh, and walks away. Prints off a photo of the wound. And then Gideon's like, what do you got? And she's like, doesn't this look like a taser mark? (laughs) Doesn't this? And then we find out that the security guards can't carry guns. So they all carry tasers. And who's going to get away with being around places but a security guard? Let's get a list. Tasers... Just better than guns for security guards, especially. I'd say for most. For pretty much everybody. For most people. If you got a gun. Unless you're like a long range hunter of deer. I don't think deer really care unless you're like real up close. Okay. Emily calls Penelope. And Penelope goes, hey, girlfriend. So just Penelope writes. So Penelope writes, of course. And Emily says, I have a list to give you. And then we cut to heavy metal music. Unsub is drinking beer. Okay. They flash like a stack of porn VHSs. You're what obsessed is- with these porn VHSs. I'm not. Don't make, Don't say it like that. That makes me sound crazy. You stopped and you like. I think it's. Okay. What is called 
hot tub nurses, which just feels like a mixing of genres that's unnecessary. But I'm kind of obsessed with it, actually. But I'm kind of obsessed. Like, like, are they people who nurse hot tubs? Or are they just nurses in hot tubs? Are they nurses for somebody who has had a hot tub emergency? I think they are nurses, and they are nurse by trade. By hot proximity, by they are in a, <laughs> in a hot tub. <laughs> the episode title for sure. Nurse by trade, hot tub by choice. <laughs> That's fucking funny. Hold on. Fuck. God, I hate you. You're welcome. The other one is called Moist Thighs Pink Bottoms. And then he does have one called Pop Goes the Weasel. Anyway, VHS porn tapes. Wild. Okay. And then he continues to be incredibly emo. And he, like, picks up his gun and, like, sits in his chair and is, like, pointing it at his face, like, oh, I could just shoot myself. And then he, like, puts it away and he takes the knife. And then as he's leaving, he looks at his trash can where there's a stack of photos, and he picks up a photo of his wife and his daughter and then just, like, rips the wife out and (laughs) takes the daughter away. Which is, like, why didn't you do that when you were throwing the pictures away? Whatever. Okay. Penelope finds nothing in any of the guards' records. Okay, I have a gripe. Mm-hmm. here so emily is like okay so none of these guards have records but what about like a recent rejection like they were fired or their wife left them and penelope's like that's too general even for me girl so then so but then the second emily is like did nathan tubbs have anything happen recently she's like oh look he went to court and lost custody of his kids so it's not too general <laughs> So it's not too general. You were just too lazy to run the search query on all of them. And it ha- it took two seconds. All she had to do was be like, any recent court paperwork? Like, any recent summons? Because that's what she did with Tops. Like, what? Literally. Okay. Whatever. I was like, okay, Penelope's Garcia. powers only work as much as the plot wants them to work. Absolutely. I guess. I guess. And then she and Emily have a little fake role play where she's like, you're a security guard. And Penelope's like, I don't like where this is going. And Emily goes, it's not the best use of your skills. Hey, watch it. <laughs> I was like, like you okay. had higher aspirations. Most yeah. definitely. Like, it's so, so true. funny. I love them. They're so funny. Yeah. They're so special to me. So easily the two of them got into a role play. Okay. I know. Tubbs got rejected from the police department in 2003. And then the guy, the police guy comes in and is like, hey, there are only four security guards that I've seen. One is Tubbs. They don't even talk to the other three. Nope. They don't even look up any information about the other three. Nope. Just Tubbs. And then we, so, okay, so Tubbs got rejected from the police department and he was one of the four. So what happened? Six days ago, his wife got first custody and of his daughter without any visitation. Okay, so it's Tubbs now. The BAU goes to Tubbs' apartment. Also, why is his name Tubbs? Why is his name Tubbs? I hate it. They sort of call him Butts. Like, okay. They go to Tubbs' apartment. It's all clear. They don't find his trunk of guns. Right? Not at first. Gideon does look at it later. Yeah, Gideon looks at it later, opens it up, and then shuts it. Yeah, okay. 
So Derek is like going through the trash. They find the ripped pictures. Gideon looks at the newspaper clippings. And then Emily finds his work schedule, which is where we get the date that this is early April. Tubbs isn't supposed to be working. And then Gideon says, well, if he wasn't supposed to be working, why isn't he here? And I love the assumption that he is either working or home. He, he couldn't be at the movies. He couldn't be picking up some food. He couldn't be hanging out with a friend. No. Nope. Working at home and that's it. Fuck you. Okay. Then we see a brunette girl walking alone at night. Tubbs drives up. Super creepy. Like, he doesn't come alongside her. He, like, creeps behind her in his car. And without the lights on? And clearly the show is like, it's him. Focus on him, etc. So then she's like, I'm fine. I'm two blocks ahead, whatever. And he's like, get in. She goes to sit in the back. And he's like, no, sit next to me. And she acts like that's the weirdest thing on the planet. But it's like, you're not being arrested. You don't have to sit in the back of the car. Yeah. I'm not a taxi. I'm just giving you a ride. Yeah. He's got a picture of his daughter. Okay, but then he, okay, he does immediately get very weird. I he say. immediately gets weird. The, the seat thing, not weird. Then he's like, you would never take away a man's right to see his child, right? You would never make a baby with someone and then not let them see it, right? And she's like, no. And he's like, swear. And she's like, I swear. And he goes, are you a liar? And she's like, no. And she's like, just let me out, please. And he's like, no, no, I'll take you to your car. And she starts crying. Cops show up. Emily, like, helps the girl out of the car. The girl does take a little too long looking at Emily's face. Relatable. Just a little bit. And, like, like, I get it. She, like, looks at Emily for a second. And then Emily's like, come on. (laughs) Let's go. Come on, girl. And then Tubbs got arrested. And then Gideon's voiceover says, Tubbs was easy. But we didn't ask ourselves the question. Was Tubbs too easy? Because the thing is, what? Like a detective in a noir movie. Was this answer too easy? So we'd cut the guy. But But did we catch his killer? Did we really? It was a little too easy if you catch me. I didn't trust the dame, and I knew I should have trusted my gut. Never trust a dame who's got legs up to her ears. What? You've never heard that? No, I've heard it. I just thought it was very funny. Anyway, I wish Criminal Minds had done a new R episode. They did. Did they? They super did. I don't remember it, so it doesn't count. And season... It's fucking... It's fucking their, like, the episode where Penelope has her fucking, like, show about the nature of man, and it's all in, like, black and white. Come on! Okay, I remember that. Great episode! One of the best (laughs) stylized episodes of TV of all time. You know what I really wish Criminal Minds had done? What? One of those fucking documentary-style episodes that every TV show did back then. Yeah. Like, God, I wish they had just been given a camera crew and we could get to see, like... What the characters are like when they are not telling their own stories. That's my favorite style of show. Yeah. When a show just suddenly has a camera crew and every character is completely different. Anyway, was Tubbs too easy to catch? Good question. Gideon is like, I was prideful. I was too smug in my abilities. Did I get the right guy or was I just trying to convince myself that I did? And Tubbs is like, I didn't do anything. I picked up an extra shift. 
then Gideon is like, are you angry? Do you lose your temper easily, etc. Okay, there's a big poster on the wall that just says, be a cop, with a cop hat. And they pass by it like 10 times. Yeah. And every time I'm just like, ugh. So Hotch asks Emily, what's your evidence? And Emily says, we have a means of subduing the victim, potential weapon, source of misplaced rage, a stressor, evidence of a self-destructing spiral, and trophies of the killings. But it's all circumstantial and not strong enough. So Emily goes in to bring Gideon pictures. I Is this the first time Emily is used as a tactic? I think it is. She goes in, eye contact immediately with Tops, just staring at him. And then she leaves, and she stands at the door and, like, looks at him from the doorway. <laughs> Very spooky. And Gideon's like, she's pretty, isn't she? And I was like, Gideon, she's beautiful. <laughs> Gideon, don't fuck with people. <laughs> and he's like, the girl you picked up tonight was brunette. Do you like brunettes? And Tops like, I used to. <laughs> Not anymore. Great. Derek and JJ are looking at the evidence. The knife is inconclusive, and the taser has no prints. So who knows? Reed goes, is like, I'm going to go to the security office. And then Emily's like, I'm going to go with him. And Derek says, no, no, no. The hotel isn't going to hold our room forever. Go get some rest. We'll see if it shifts. And Emily's like, yeah, I'll sleep when we get this guy. And JJ just goes, me too. And they leave. <laughs> it's like, okay. Tubbs is like, am I getting charged with something? He keeps chewing on his fingers. And Gideon is like, you're chewing on your fingers to punish yourself for what your hands have been doing. And that just made me look down at my own decrepit fingers that I chew on. And I'm like, maybe he just has anxiety because he's being charged with like three counts of murder and getting in. <laughs> like, okay. Great. Yeah. And Gideon's like, you're killing girls that remind you of your ex-wife because you hate your ex-wife. But then you're guilty because they're young like your daughter and you love your daughter. And he's like, I'm protecting the girls. And then Gideon's like, why won't the judge let you see your daughter? And Tuff is like, actually, fuck you. I want a lawyer. Great. Which should have said that to begin with, bestie. I know. Not, I know you're like a murderer or whatever, but like, don't fucking talk to cops. Get a lawyer. You say, I'm, I am invoking my right to a lawyer, and I'm invoking my Fifth Amendment rights. And then you shut the fuck up. <laughs> you shut the fuck up. <laughs> okay. They're opening his locker. The first thing, it's a, another sexy magazine. They're really big at just showing this dude as porn. This dude's a pervert, and we get that. But is but he a killer? Is he a Who's killer? Who's to say? The he magazine. certainly sucks. That's true. Ha ha ha, ha ha ha. This is called The Super Sexy 66. And then Reed, okay, Reed pulls, I've included pictures if you'd like to look at them. Reed pulls the magazine out. And then glances over his shoulder at JJ, who immediately, like, looked down. And was like, Reed's like, hey, don't you have this one? And JJ's like, shut up, Reed, not here. Fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. But, oh, I just realized why he's probably making a face. It's a blonde girl on the cover, not a brunette. Oh, fuck. I just made that connection. I just made that connection, too. Well, I mean, I, I made it, and I told you, so. Yes, correct. I didn't have to think of it before you, because I don't it's stop and look nine. at the fucking magazines. Thanks. All right. It's because she's blonde. Okay. 
One thing I will say, one thing that kills me is that, like, Emily's brunette and JJ's blonde. So, like, anytime they're attacking brunette victims, it's like JJ's like, Fru, it's not me. And Emily's like, whoa, relatable. And then anytime <laughs> it's blonde victims, Emily is like, oh no, JJ. And JJ's like, I'm blonde. It's like they have to have like a moment. <laughs> Here's the thing is they need to have one blonde woman and one brunette woman oh. on the team at any given point in time. Yeah. Otherwise, the balance of the universe is just off. It's off. It's off. It's off. It's, off. it's just off. Uh, then they find like a bottle of like whiskey or something, and then they take his clothes to test. Okay, later when they release him, he goes to the locker and he's like, "Where are my clothes?" And I was like, "No one told him they took his clothes." No one told this dude. They were just no. like, "Hey, we gotta take." I'm so sorry, but we just gotta. Yeah, we're, we're gonna test these clothes. Actually, oh, you you want them? No, they're gone. They're gone. They're in. They're fully gone. They're in DC getting tested. Sorry, <laughs> like. Tubbs has talked to his lawyer. The lawyer goes to the cops and the BAU, and they're like, why are you holding Tubbs? Explain this to me. And they explain the, all the, like, profile, etc. And they're like, that's not good enough. The lawyer's like, let's go. He was there because of his job. There's no physical evidence. There's no witnesses. And then Derek comes in and is like, I got the guy's psych eval. He was diagnosed by the cop psych as having borderline personality disorder with antisocial and psychopathic tendencies. Did we mention that Tubbs flunked out of Cop Academy? Yes. Okay. He, he flunked that out was, of Cop Academy. Yeah, back in 2003. And then the cop is like, this lawyer sucks. And the lawyers, they're like, we need to make lawyer a decision. Lawyer is fully just doing his job, by the way. This lawyer is awesome. Absolutely. This lawyer is doing great. They are like, we need to make a decision. Well, legally, we are allowed to hold him for 72 hours. And then they look in the mirror, and Tubbs is asleep. Yeah. And Gideon says, only a guilty man can lay his head down and sleep when facing a murder charge. I wrote, or maybe it's an alcoholic crash. We watched him chugging a bunch of beers earlier. For sure. So, 50-50. Okay, here we go. Gay time. Gay time. Gay time. JJ and Emily are walking around the college. I thought you just called her gay Jay, and I was like, wow, so true. Gay J, gay J, gay J, more like gay gay. Okay, no, JJ, she's walking around. She's like, everyone looks so young, and Emily's like, I know they're just kids. And Emily says, like, it's the point in your life where you want to be on your own, but you're so used to people solving your problems. And JJ says, all I remember is trying to figure out who I was, and then she looks directly at emily (laughs) gay 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 this is very much her like did you have a were you kind of are you kind of you know i experimented in in call i experimented in college did you did 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 you you, perhaps did you get a good grade on being a lesbian in college what is it that phrase i hate gay until graduation (laughs) (laughs) terrible phrase i understand why you hate it but very funny funny. (laughs) unfortunately (laughs) hilarious unfortunately hilarious and then emily says you know you move around enough to get used to being whoever people want you to be and i was like that makes sense we'll call that a little bit foreshadowing yeah we'll put a pin in that we'll pick that one up in demonology the helen right helen and katie come to jj and they're like we heard you have somebody in custody like we heard you got the guy and jj's like we have somebody in custody which is deceptive Katie hugs JJ super tightly, and Emily does look mad jealous for a second. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, so true. Okay. 
Gideon's voiceover is like, we felt the mood change, blah, 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 whatever. In what world are all of these underage kids able to drink just like out and about? I don't know. Like they're drinking all over the, I will say that to the RA, Stephanie, she's letting them drink. She's obviously upset about it, but she's like, I'm not going to be that bitch. But they're drinking everywhere on a college campus. Everywhere. So then, oh, also Anna's at the party. Anna's fully at the party. She's fully at the party. They show her. Then Helen is like, hey, I'm going to go to the cafe to study. Um, She does get killed. Why? Okay, here's the thing. Mm. Maybe it's just me. Okay. High anxiety situation in which people on my college campus are being murdered, right? Very high anxiety situation. I'm very stressed about it, right? Mm -hmm. It finally ends. Or they finally have somebody in custody. It finally ends, Mm -hmm. right? I am not going out that night. Not gonna lie to you. I'm staying in my dorm. I'm staying in my dorm room. Absolutely. I am gonna watch some movies. I'm gonna pirate some shit. And I'm just gonna like vibe there. Like, I'm not going out that night. Number one, because I had a huge anxiety crash from the fact that that Absolutely. situation is now over. Number two, because everybody else is going out that night. I'm not fucking moving. No. and I, But I think it's kind of like... I understand why they did it. Because, like, hey, now we don't have to leave campus. Like, now we don't have to go home. And now, like, everything's over, we think. Well, I think part of it is she's been shown throughout the show as like always studying she's like as i'm thinking russian friend. lit like i yeah. need to study she's the reason they went to the library when they get back katie is like you know early in the episode katie is like let's go drink in my room and she's like no i'm gonna keep studying so now it's like finally i don't have to study here i'm gonna go somewhere else to study yeah but she goes to like she's trying i guess she's going to the on-campus cafe I guess the library isn't 24 hours. I would the think cafe. the... I would think if it was on campus, it would still be under the... Uh, but the cafe too. Curfew. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. I thought that I would think the cafe would be under the curfew as well. Any camp, any buildings that are on campus closed. Yeah. And they haven't probably reversed that yet. They're not like, all right, we're good now. Right. Like... Fuck. Yeah, so I don't know where she. Oh, where's she going? <laughs> I don't know where she's going. Where's she this leaves. girl at? She leaves. She does die, but she gets hit by a rock, and then like stabbed multiple times, like mm-hmm. many stab marks. Yeah. Okay. Gideon voiceover says he's unfocused. Great. JJ. Okay, they go to the body. JJ asks the dean, "Like, can we move these students back so that Gideon and Derek can really look at them?" Gideon's like, I don't think it's the same person. And everyone agrees. Emily's like, it was blunt force, not a taser, because she's the taser bitch this episode. Rita's like, there were hesitation marks. Gideon hallucinates again. And then the cop is like, we got to know from the killer. It says he's innocent. I'm still out here. Great. The cop is mad about this. The cop is like, I think you're trying to cover your asses. And Derek is like, not here. Like, come on. Not right now. Not now. Katie sees the girl, sees her friend. Goes over to JJ and is like, what the fuck? And JJ's like, 
I didn't say we had the guy. I said we had someone in custody. And the girl's like, no, fuck you, actually. And she's right. She's right. She's right to do so. Because JJ was being kind of a semantic dick. Yeah. And like, not at the time, JJ. Exactly. And we, she spits in JJ's face. And Reed's ru- Reed runs over and is like, get her out of here. Keep people back. Go do your job, man. Yeah. And JJ's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And just like leaves. She's like, I'm fine. Spit in the face. Okay. Back at the cop station, the lawyer is like, why isn't Tubbs free? He's a creep, but he didn't do this. And the cop's like, I'll talk to you. And Hodge says, I was a prosecutor. I could hold this lawyer off for days. Which is so funny. Which is very funny, but also like... And he's like, correct. He's correct, but you know. But also, bad. what a scathing indictment of our justice system. Truly. Derek is talking to Gideon, and Derek is like, maybe we're wrong. Like, I've been on both sides of this, which I love the throwback acknowledgement. He's mm-hmm. like, I know what it's like when a cop gets it in their head that it's somebody and won't let it go. That was me. We need to clear the campus. JJ is like, we can hold him for 24 more hours. And they're like, we can't hold him indefinitely. And she's like, I didn't say indefinitely. I said 24 hours. And they're just like, no, we're going to let him go. And she's just like, that little like tongue thing she does. She does like a tongue. She's like, she looks away, like licks her mouth to keep calm. And then she like takes a sip so she can't say anything. But like her eyes are tight. Her like little like brow. She's like, yeah. So angry. This is JJ's like, I'm absolutely angry and no one's allowed to know about it. I love her. Yeah. She's so. I Not mean. to be like, wow, she's so. But like, but, like she's, she's so. so. She is so. Okay. They ask about copycat crimes. Reed says the most common copycat crimes are ones you don't even think of as copycats, like school shootings or teen suicides. Emily says, you know, the age range for both those things fits a college campus, but those things are usually competitive. Who can kill the most, etc.? This note wasn't about stealing credit. It was about freeing Tubbs. You know, it wasn't like, hey, you idiots, I'm the killer. I'm still, I, I don't know, though. Because, like, well, I guess because it said he's innocent. It didn't say you got the wrong guy. It didn't say, like, it's not him. It said he's innocent. It's me. Yeah, it was very directed towards Tubbs and not directed yeah. towards the killer themselves getting credit. You know what I right. mean? Right. They weren't talking about themselves. They were talking, they were about, talking about him. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And they're like, well, he wouldn't have a partner, but maybe he had a groupie. Uh, yeah. But, you know, he's not that powerful. The stabbing shows he's impotent. But the groupie would know that. You know, the groupie only has what's been in the newspapers. So yeah, and the groupie doesn't know specifically what they talk about this in relation to is the arms being crossed. Absolutely. She wouldn't know that. And she wouldn't know about the taser. She wouldn't know these things. She would only know that the girls got knocked out and then they get stabbed. They wouldn't know about the one stab mark to the breastbone, etc. So she just does what she thinks a killer would do. And that's this. Okay. We finally see the emo girl up close. She, Anna, Anna, she cuts her hair and turned a cute little bob, dyes it black. She's got the girl's article, Helen's article. She like, cuts herself, already has scars. That, <laughs> okay, I'm not laughing because of Sapphire. I'm laughing because the way that the makeup artist did the scars, it's literally like every other spot. Like they, they were so even, so like nicely. They were like, really nicely tink, spaced. Tink, tink, tink. Yeah. Uh, so, but we see she harms herself, and that was part of the profile, etc. Okay. Tubbs leaves the precinct. 
and Emily, like, fully stares at this guy as he walks past. Emily is just black eyes staring at him as he walks past her and tells us, like, Jesus Christ. And, and I mean, we don't see her, but I don't think we see her for that long, but JJ is too. Well, yeah, well, JJ talks. So Derek says, you know, it's the right thing to do to let him go. And JJ says, you remind me of that when the next time I have to talk to the family and friends. Like, JJ reminds him, yeah, you get to stay in your police precinct and tell yourself what's right and what's wrong. I've got a, I've already been spit on. <laughs> I'm the one who has to go say he's also been let go. Yeah. Okay. Gideon's like, the camera's up. They're up. Great. Katie's getting a drink from the vending machine, and Stephanie, the RA, goes up to her, and Katie's like, I don't, I can't do this right now. Like, can we not do this today? And Stephanie's like, hey, listen, I'm not being weird, but Anna won't leave her room. She says she's not going to leave campus. Can you go talk to her? Like, please. Great. Katie goes and knocks on the door. Anna opens it, and Katie's like, oh god, your hair. And then she sees all the bloody newspaper articles, and is like, you have to leave by tomorrow. And Anna says, well, after tomorrow, I won't be anybody's problem. And then she's like wrapping up a knife in like an artist's apron. Like it's one of those rolls where you put all your brushes in. Yeah, and you roll it up. But it's a knife. And then there's like all this Satan stuff. I'm just like, why is it always like gotta be a goth kid? It's always Satan. It's always the goths, the emos. Leave us alone. Leave us alone. (laughs) So then, okay, Tubbs is walking around campus. Everyone's staring at him. They're still leaving. People are still leaving. I guess yeah. because they let him go. They're like, it's not him. We still have to empty the canvas. Great. He goes to his locker. No clothes. He Guys, grabs where his... are my clothes? Guys, where are my clothes? He and none, his... neither of them are like, fuck. No, nope, like, I'm not talking to you. Yeah. He grabs his point. alcohol. He leaves. Okay. Katie calls JJ to read. And then Tubbs walks out of the security guard office with his point and his alcohol. And Anna is there. And he's like, do you like how I look? Do you want to get to know me? Hey, you killed those girls. Let's go. And Tubbs is like, um, no, I didn't. I don't know what you're talking about. Bye. <laughs> Great. Katie, I liked this scene. I thought this scene was interesting. Katie is talking to JJ and Reed about Anna. And she talks about the cutting herself and the newspaper. She's a loner. You know, she gets made fun of. But she's never been violent towards others. And JJ's like, has she ever talked about suicide before? And Katie says... All the time. All she talks about is suicide. Which, like, it's very serious. I Trust me, I, mm-hmm. of all people, am not making fun of being suicidal. But, like, what a wild thing. Hey, Anna, how's it going? Good. Maybe today's the day. <laughs> but, like, serious. <laughs> like, in, like, that's yeah, all she no. talks about? No, just the way you said it. You were like... You guys peace didn't sign. see, but James did do a little like peace sign, like maybe today's the day. Like, <laughs> it's also like I'm pretty sure when I was in college, mm. when I lived in the dorms, my RA was like a mandatory reporter. Yes. Like, if you say those things in earshot of your RA, your RA can call a mental health crisis on you. Oh, yeah. I had your, a cop show up where I was on campus once to talk to you. Yeah. Your RA can 5150, you, right? Yeah. Like, can it's Stephanie, the RA, really not do anything here, bestie? Bestie. Like, if she's such a hard ass, like, why is she not... Exactly. Help this guy, yeah. And, of course, like, yes, systemic failures is 
a main reason why a lot of people are really depressed, right? right. But like, god damn. I know. These, these systemic failures really can fail, huh? And also, they set the RA up as somebody who does report every little thing, but you wouldn't report something as big as this. Like, I so, understand that you think people are joking, but like... It happens enough. If it happens enough. Yeah. And then Katie's like, it wasn't just other people who made fun of her, I also made fun of her. And there's like a moment where she was like, my bad. Great. Emily and Derek are following Tubbs. Hotch and Gideon are watching the security camera. Anna brings Tubbs to this like really private spot. And Tubbs is like, what are we doing here? And it's like, nobody goes here. Great. Derek and Emily have to stay back or else they will be seen. And so Tubbs and Anna are sitting on the bench, but they have to wait until someone admits something or makes a move. Okay. Tubbs like, sees the camera and he's like, let's go somebody else. And Anna is like, no, all the other girls were on campus. And he's like, well, I didn't kill them. And Anna's like, listen, I killed someone for you though. And once she says that, they're like, okay, let's go. She admitted to killing someone. Mm-hmm. And she pulls out a knife. And so Derek and Emily start running towards them. And she's like, I can't kill myself. So will you stab me? I killed someone for you. Will you stab me? Yeah, she's like, I can't yeah. I can't do it myself, basically. Yeah. And then he won't, so she stabs him. Emily and Derek show up and are like, put on the knife, put on the knife. And she's like, will you shoot? Are you going to shoot me? Will you shoot me? And they're like, no, we're not going to shoot you. No one's going to shoot you. And then she stabs herself. And Emily is trying to save Anna and Derek is trying to save Tubbs. Gideon is having a really hard time. And in his voiceover, he's like, two more people dead, which is why I think this was recorded after No Way Out. Because he says two more people. And the first two were Frank and Jane. Right? Okay. Implying okay. this is two people after those two people. And another direct result of something he did, he made the call yes. to not... Okay. No, mm-hmm. okay. He let Frank go. He let Tubbs go. Reed and JJ tell Katie... And they like have a hug. And then it like goes all the way to nighttime at the crime scene. And Gideon says, I don't trust myself at home. And I don't trust myself in the field. So then what? Then what are we doing? Um, they go to leave at first light. JJ looks adorable. She's wearing a little it's sweater also, I approve of. It's I also like 9 a.m. sunlight. It's not yeah. first light. Like it's no. not dark out at all. No. I didn't even know you could leave this early. Sir, I had a flight two weeks ago that was like, 5 a.m. Yeah. Flights go all the time. That's sort of the big point. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So then Derek goes to Gideon and is like, you knew how this was going to end. Like, you knew all along. That's why you let him go. And Gideon's like, well, I didn't want them to die. But like, yeah, I thought they'd find each other. And Hotch is like, hey, Gideon, like, it's okay. Like, Anna was ill and Tubbs was a killer. So like, who cares if he died? And Gideon's like, yeah, but like, what if he wasn't? What if he wasn't? They get on the plane. Cut to Strauss's office. Um, the police were like super mad that Hotch let Anna meet Tubbs and Hotch takes the whole decision on himself. He says, yeah, this was not the outcome we hoped for. And Strauss is like, not the outcome you'd hoped for. Yeah. There's okay. a time and a place for like business language, Hotch, and this was not it, homie. Not it. So not she it. takes his badge, suspends him pending an investigation. And she's like, if it were up to me, like I would fire you. And he says... Always a pleasure. And just leaves. And then we're at the cabin. And Gideon's like, the girl's death was the last domino and Hotch's suspension. I wish there was a better explanation for this. And then you see, they show him like looking at his gun. So see, these things make me think it was recorded afterwards. 
because mm-hmm. he's like, this girl's death was the last domino and Hodge's suspension and those things just happened. So. Yeah. I just really think, I don't think they knew that, I just don't think they knew that Gideon was going to leave, so they had to really struggle to change the end of season two, and this was the one day of pickup shots that they finangled out of Mandy Patinkin. I really think think that's it. Yeah, I just, I think this recording and the filming was done afterwards, because otherwise it would would make no sense. Okay. Yeah. What do you rate it? An episode. Oh, do I get to rate first? Go ahead. Oh, I'm going to give this episode a solid eight, I think. Good up. Good solid up. You're giving it an eight as well? I'm going to give it an eight and a half. 8.5. I think it's just like like solid up, you know? Yeah. They did it. Um, Do they say, I mean, they have to say doubt in the episode, right? They say the episode. Yes. Yes. And do they say wheels up? No. No. Well, Starting so another to... season begins with disappointment. <laughs> James. Yeah. When will this podcast name <laughs> come home to roost? It will. It I will, need I it. I need it to happen faster. Okay. Well, it will. I mean, hey, once the reboot starts, it'll be like three times an episode. So. Exactly. We'll like get all of our wheels up out there and then we'll like, <laughs> it, it'll even out basically. Yeah, exactly. It'll even out. Yeah. That's it for this episode of wheels up so delighted that you all could join us for another season if you want to find us you can do so on any social media at wheels up pod uh, if you want to give us a correction you can do so just add us on social media or you can even email us wheels up uh, at brightcrownmedia.com tweet at us you can tweet at us you can send us instagram dms or uh Twitter DMs or Tumblr DMs, or you can make just a good old fashioned at tweet. We'll we'll see it. We'll see it anywhere. So next week we will be watching 302 in name and blood. Mm-hmm. Another banger, I think. I'm just preemptively imagining it's a banger. It will be. If only for the Emily outfits. If only for an Emily outfit. An Emily outfit's gonna be so good, mm-hmm. bestie. I'm going to lose my mind. Anyway, that's it for this episode of Wheels Up. James, do you have an ending quote for me? I do. As that one cop guy says, don't be a jackass, Paul. (laughs) Don't be a jackass, Paul. Don't be a jackass, Paul. Talking to you, Pauls. Any Pauls in our audience? Yeah, fuck you, Paul. Fucking jackasses. Fucking jackass, Paul.